0: Um, but glad to be here together this morning. We've been going through the Gospel of Mark. After next week, we should already be through the first chapter, so um, that's good. We're going to continue to press on uh, on this journey, hoping to know, again, the three goals of the series being that we would together know Jesus' true identity, that we would trust in His complete authority that we just sang about just there, and that we would then follow Him immediately. And so, we have so far gone through the book of Mark chapter 1, where we looked and saw that all of history has been pointing forward to, and, and looking forward to the coming of Jesus. And Mark is making this announcement. This is the good news, the proclamation that Jesus, the Christ, the Son of God, has Come, it is now, the time is now. And Jesus' authority is then established, oh, as God, uh, as He enters the water of baptism, and then as he enters the wilderness, his authority is established over Satan. And then we talked about last week that Jesus begins his public ministry then, by first preaching. That's what he does first. He goes out and he proclaims a message, and the message is urgent, and the message is familiar. He calls people to repent and believe. That's Jesus' message that He preaches. And then, we came to last week, this costly and urgent call that Jesus makes to His disciples two simple words. Follow Me. And He asks the disciples in doing that, or commands them, These guys who are, at this point, just fishermen, He's commanding them to leave everything. Everything that made them feel secure. Their finances, no longer secure. Their family, no longer a sense of security there either. Their future, no longer a sense of security there either. And even their physical safety. And Jesus, in calling them to follow Him, is asking them, would you let go of your grip on all those things that make you feel secure and follow Me? And so the challenge to us was the same. Will we recognize what we are gripping onto so tightly that we can't imagine letting go of that? And that's preventing us, because we're holding onto that so tightly, that's preventing us from being fully obedient to follow Jesus immediately. So hopefully, as you reflected on that, as you prayed through that, as you discussed that this week, God maybe brought some things to mind. That this is something I need to be fighting against so that I can more completely follow Jesus. And so, that brings us to where we are this week. We're going to look at, if you want to look in your sermon outline in your bulletin, that might be helpful for you. We're going to look in Mark chapter 1. I'm going to go verses 21 through 34. Mark 1, 21 through 34. And so if you have a Bible, turn to it. Uh, If you don't have a Bible, by the way, if you come and you just like I don't I don't have a Bible, talk to me or some other leader, and we will make sure you get a Bible, because we want you to have the Word of God in hand. Mark chapter 1, verse 21. And as we read God's word this morning, let's stand together. Mark chapter 1, starting in verse 21. And they went into Capernaum, and immediately on the Sabbath he entered the synagogue and was teaching. And they were astonished at his teaching, for he taught them as one who had authority and not as the scribes. And immediately there was in their synagogue a man with an unclean spirit, and he cried out, What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are. You're the Holy One of God. many demons, and He would not permit the demons to speak, because they knew Him. You can be seated. Let's pray. God, would You, this morning, send Your Holy Spirit once again to shine light on Your Word, the Word that was inspired by that same Holy Spirit, who now dwells in us who are believers. And so God, I pray that the Holy Spirit would shine a light on Scripture this morning, so that it might do something in us. For your name's sake. Amen. Two things I want us to notice this morning about this passage. We've already talked about Jesus' authority being established. But today we're going to recognize that the authority that has already been established by Jesus is now recognized by a lot more people. Okay, that's what we're going to see this morning. So we're going to see that the authority of Jesus is now recognized by more people. And then we're going to the second thing we're going to see is that Jesus serves with a personal touch. Okay? So, two things we're going to look at this morning. The first one, we're going to start in verses 21 and 22. First point is this, that as people now begin to recognize the authority of Jesus, the first thing they recognize it in is His teaching. They recognize Jesus' authority as he teaches them. Okay, So, look at verses 21 and 22. It says, they went into Capernaum. Okay? Capernaum is a small village, but a small village that's doing pretty well. It's not like some old, dying little town. It's a, it's a thriving, small town on the shore. That's where he's going. And it says, immediately, on the Sabbath, he entered the synagogue... And was teaching. Okay, so Jesus just beginning his public ministry in this small town of Capernaum, there is a synagogue. Now just so we know what a synagogue is, a synagogue was a gathering place for people who were Jewish living outside of Jerusalem. If you lived in Jerusalem, you would go to the temple, and that's where things like sacrifices took place. That's where the priests would be. There were not priests in the synagogue. Synagogues were gathering places for Jewish people outside of Jerusalem. And they would come to the synagogue to hear the reading of the Scriptures and some teaching on the Scriptures. The people that typically did that were scribes or traveling rabbis or teachers. And so it's not very odd what Jesus is doing here. This is very common. Every week on the Sabbath, when the Jewish people would gather in a synagogue, they would have a different traveling teacher come and teach them. Sometimes maybe just for a week, sometimes for an extended period of time. But they didn't have like a pastor or a priest that was there all the time. They got their teaching from traveling rabbis. Jesus is doing that. So he enters the, the synagogue on the Sabbath, and he was teaching. Okay? Uh, and, and here's what we're going to notice about Jesus' teaching. that All we know so far from verse 21 is that he was teaching, and the people are doing what they always did. The Jewish people are gathering in the synagogue because it's the Sabbath. Some of you, it's just like you don't even think about it anymore. It's Sunday morning, you go to church. That's what these people are doing. It's Saturday, we're going to synagogue. That's just what we do, and so they come to synagogue, expecting to hear another traveling pe- preacher maybe wondering who's it going to be this time, and look at verse 22. And they were astonished at his teaching, for he taught them as one who had authority and not as the scribes. First thing we notice, it says they were astonished. The word more literally is translated like they went into panic or shock. I mean, so it's not like, that was a good message. Good message, pastor. Nice job, teacher. Nice job, rabbi. That wasn't, that wasn't the kind of thing. It wasn't like, oh, I thought that was pretty good. It was like jaw-dropping, who is this man? Who is this? I, I, listen to this man teach. He's teaching as one who has authority, not like the scribes. We've got a lot of people coming through here, but this guy just blew them all out of the water. They come and a lot of times we learn a little bit about the scribes and their teaching in that day. One thing they really like to do is they like to sound really smart, and so they would during their 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 teaching quote. Some scripture, but also a lot of different. Well, and this rabbi teaches this, and this rabbi teaches this, and like make themselves sound really smart. I mean, these guys had it going on. They had they had way better PowerPoint presentations than I use. They used sweet video clips, read all the best books. I mean, and they wanted everybody to know we've got it going on, okay? And so that's what the scri- how the scribes taught. But Jesus comes and he teaches in a different way. We don't learn from Mark exactly how Jesus taught. I would guess Jesus just read a lot of Bible. He just read a lot of Old Testament and just taught them as one who had authority. So people are beginning to recognize Jesus' authority through his teaching. Look at verses 23 through 27. Now we're going to see in this part, Jesus' authority is recognized over unclean spirits. Verses 23 to 27 says, And immediately there was in their synagogue a man with an unclean spirit. And he cried out. So, in the midst of Jesus' teaching, sermon is interrupted by a man with an unclean spirit. What would you have felt like if you were there and you were experiencing this? You're you're listening to this man teach with great authority, and you're totally engaged. Nobody's tapping you and saying, "Wake up, honey." Like you are, you are totally there because Jesus is teaching with all this authority, and then this. Man, with an unclean spirit, begins to burst out in words. And here's what he says. What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Whew. I mean, imagine just the, the tension in the place at this point. And, and why, why does the demon all of a sudden in the middle of this just scream out? I would say it's because demons, as those who are working alongside Satan to, to go against all of the work that God is doing, people are noticing that God is doing something. Jesus is teaching with great authority, and, and, and the demon just can't stand it anymore. The unclean spirit's like, I, I am totally opposed to everything this guy is saying and everything he's about, and so so it just kind of comes spewing out, and he says... What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Look, you, I mean, you feel this fear in the demon, right? You, you sense this fear like, this is not good for me. Well, have you come to destroy us? He knows the power and authority that Jesus has. And he, have you come to destroy us? He's concerned, okay? And so that's how the demon responds. Well, listen to how Jesus responds to that. Verse 25. But Jesus rebuked him, saying be silent and come out of him and the unclean spirit convulsing him and crying out with a loud voice came out of him look at jesus look at what he's doing guy is is overtaken by this demon that is living inside him and now spewing stuff out of his mouth jesus looks and he doesn't even speak to the man he speaks directly to the demon This is the kind of authority that Jesus has. Speaks directly to the the, the unclean spirit and says to the unclean spirit, be silent, come out of him. Two commands. And guess what the unclean spirit has to do with the authority of Jesus? Be silent and come out. That's exactly what happens. Unclean spirits are obeying Jesus. So Jesus is showing his authority, certainly in his teaching, and now he just stepped it up a notch. Because an unclean spirit reveals itself in the synagogue and Jesus commands something to the unclean spirit and the unclean spirit just leaves. I don't know if the people knew this guy that was in the synagogue. Probably, it's a smaller town. They probably knew this guy. I don't know how long this demon had been living inside of him, but people are now astonished that this demon just listened to Jesus. So it says in verse 26, and the oh, verse 27, and they were all amazed. So that they questioned among themselves, saying, What is this? A new teaching with authority. He commands even the unclean spirits, and they obey Him. People are amazed at this Jesus and His authority. A couple of things that you might be asking as you look at this, and I want to be sure we address those. One is, how is it that demons know so much? I mean, at this point, nobody else has even made these claims about Jesus. Right? Right? That that he's right. This is Jesus of Nazareth, and he is the Holy One of God. The demon's right. Nobody else is confessing that yet. But a demon got it right. How do demons? Now demons. We need to know. Don't know everything. They don't know all things. Only God is omniscient. Only God knows everything. But demons, being in the spiritual world, being involved in a spiritual battle since the beginning of time, know a lot of stuff. They've heard a lot of things. And so, this demon does know some stuff, and Jesus tells them to be quiet. We're going to see this theme come up more. Jesus will tell people to be quiet, like, don't tell people who I am or what I've done. We'll see that come up, and we'll talk about that more. But here, Jesus is saying that to a demon. Interesting thing that I found as I was just studying a little bit this week. And, okay, if you are, if we've got somebody from the University of Iowa wrestling, somebody from the University of Minnesota Um, that's a pretty big matchup. And so everybody's going to know the names of the two people that are wrestling. And the two wrestlers are going to know probably even a lot about the person that they're going to wrestle. They've studied them. They know what their moves are. They know all that kind of stuff. They know them very well as they engage in this fight. That's the way it is in our world. It's very set up like that. But in this world that they were coming from, as people battled with one another, it was, it was most common for you not to know the name of the person that you were battling because knowing somebody's name was a way for you to have control over them. That's, that's how they would have control. It's almost like us, the way, as I was studying it, the way I understood it, was something like how you know when you're fighting with somebody, um, like your brother or whatever, and, uh, and then he's got you in this hold and you can't get out, and you finally just say, uncle, or something like that, right? That's kind of what it is. That, that you having the authority over somebody else to, to call out their name in the midst of a battle is, is your attempt to have mastery over them. And so by this demon coming to Jesus and saying, I know who you are. You're Jesus of Nazareth. He's saying, I want to have authority over you. I see your authority in your teaching. I want to have authority over you, and Jesus will have none of it. He just says to the, to the demon, be silent come out of him, and the demon obeys. So Jesus is showing his authority over unclean spirits. And then, verse 28. Look at verse 28. And at once, his fame spread everywhere, throughout all the surrounding region of Galilee. When people see something incredible, they usually tell people about it. Right? Like, even, even if, whatever it is, you saw your kid just do something amazing, you want to share that with people. You saw even just an amazing game of some sort. You want to talk to people about that. You want to go back and watch Sports Center and see the highlights again. Right? Uh, that kind of thing. That's what's happening here. All these people, all were amazed and astonished, and they couldn't help but go and talk about it. And so now Jesus' fame is spreading throughout a whole region. He was relatively unknown just days before this and now he is out and his fame is spreading about a whole region. And what do people do with famous people? Look at verse we're going to skip a couple of verses go to 32. Go to verse 32. That evening at sundown <laughs> they brought to him all who were sick or oppressed by demons and the whole city was gathered together at the door. That's what we do with famous people still today. Right, somebody's fame spreads, and they just get—you got the paparazzi chasing them, right? And and they can't even go out to eat without a crowd gathering around them. Jesus' fame has spread, and now that evening already, all who were sick, all who were possessed by demons, show up at his door. Imagine what that would have been like. I'm trying, like, I, I'm imagining kind of like the clinic waiting room times twelve, um, where it's just like. And you can just imagine all the moms there. Like, oh, don't touch that magazine, honey. No, 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 no. No, No, don't touch that. The lady just coughed on you. No, no, no. Don't talk to strangers who are possessed by demons. You know, like, all this, like, that's, that's the, the what's what going on. There's sick people and demon-possessed people all just crowding around this door to where Jesus is staying. Okay, so lots of people. Jesus is now famous. And verse 32. 4. Here's what He does. And He healed many who were sick with various diseases. And He cast out many demons. And He would not permit the demons to speak because they knew Him. Many people who were sick. I don't know how long they had been sick, but some of you have been really sick. Some of you are sick with something that you can't get rid of. And the doctors have told you, we can treat it, but we can't cure you. Imagine... You, being one of those people who hears the good news that there is one in town who you can go to and he will heal you. He's not just going to treat your pain or manage your symptoms. He can heal you. He has the power to heal you. You're going to get out of your bed or whatever it takes. You're going to get to this door to see this man. And so they're coming because this man is a healer. And so they come to his door and they are healed. Jesus, so far, all the things that we've seen is Jesus establishes authority. In the waters of baptism, he established his authority as the eternal Son of God. He established his authority over Satan. Now he's established his authority over demons, right? But now, that's all pretty cosmic, but now we're seeing Jesus' authority over stuff that we deal with every day and we see every day physical sickness. We see that every day. And Jesus now comes, and people are recognizing that he has authority even over that. I want to apply this first point to us before I move to the second point. Do you recognize Jesus' authority in teaching? Not just the the teaching of Jesus in the Gospels, but all of Scripture is about Jesus. Do you recognize the authority of Scripture in your life? Do you submit yourself to that? That's what I I called us to uh, at the beginning. The first sermon I preached as your pastor was that we would be a people learning the Word of God, committed to the Word of God, believing in the Word of God, and obeying the Word of God. That we need our foundation to be in Scripture. And, And in a world where everything is so confusing, and everybody, including us, seems to be so confused, we need to have an authoritative teacher. We need somebody to say this is true and that we just believe that it's true. That's what Jesus is. I was reading, I won't go into this very long, but I was reading last night um, an article uh, that (laughs) just just highlighting the need for having an authority who teaches something. I was reading this article just last night um, about the state of Massachusetts. Anybody else see this? State of Massachusetts um, now uh, is came out with some guidelines, some policies for their public school systems uh, to basically do away with any sort of gender distinction within public schools, um, and and it show that because kids are sometimes confused about their gender and they want. Um, people to not, be, to not be put into one or the other all the time. And so they're going to have, I mean, bathrooms are going to be available for if you uh, have documented that, that you feel like a girl, then you will be treated as a girl. Here's, here's actual wording. I just took some actual wording from it because it sounds weird when I say it. But here's some actual wording from it. Um, it's going to sound weird when they say it too. A student who says... She is a girl and wishes to be regarded that way, should be respected and treated like a girl. Okay, And then it says, listen to this, this is the part that's like, what? It says, the person best situated to determine a student's gender identity is that student himself or herself. So we live in this world where increasingly the authority does not come from the God who created us, but our authority comes from ourselves. The student best equipped to determine what gender they are is that student himself or herself. What? Really like I am best like I am my best authority. I, you know, and, and not not even just me as an adult, but but my eight-year-old can determine himself or herself whether he or she wants to be a boy or a girl. That's 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 strange. Um and and for us, we need in our culture as a whole, but for us certainly as a church, we need increasingly to know and trust the authority of Jesus, that what he says is true, that he is the way, the truth, and the life. And we're going to listen to him rather than allowing authority to reside within ourselves, right? Um, Okay, next thing. How about, uh, well, you know what? I'm going to just have you... um, Look at those questions on the bottom uh, of of your sermon outline and go through those sometime this week on your own. I want you... To know that if you have seen evil manifested in yourself or someone else, that you can come to Jesus and he has authority over that. That if you are sick, you know, here's, here's my problem. Sometimes I like to over-spiritualize things. And so when people are sick, I'll pray for healing, but then I pray for a lot of other things. And I think it's good to pray for a lot of other things, but sometimes I don't pray enough that sick people would be made well. Like we just need to pray that. That if you're sick, it is a good and godly and biblical thing to pray that you would be made well. Jesus' authority spreads to all things. He is authoritative in his teaching. He is authoritative in his, uh, his, his authority is recognized over unclean spirits and also over physical things like sickness. Abraham Kuyper is a politician, or was, he's dead, but he was a politician and pastor in the Netherlands, and he said this, there is not one square inch of the entire creation about which Jesus Christ does not cry out this is mine, this belongs to me. Praise God for that, right? That we have that Jesus who can look at all creation and there is not one square inch over all creation over which Jesus cannot look and say, this is mine. Love that. We have a Jesus that is full of authority. Now, we skipped over three verses and I want to spend the remainder of our time just looking at those three verses really quickly. In our day, because of our sinful nature, and the, and the fallenness of the world, when people become famous, they have to distance themselves from other people. right? They have to even like hire a bodyguard, and they get whisked away from things in limousines with tinted windows. right? They have to kind of protect themselves from everybody else when they become famous in our world today. That's just the nature of being famous. We don't expect to have personal relationships with famous people. It's just not going to happen. You might, if you're lucky, get them to take your Sharpie and sign something for you, or maybe even get a picture with them, but certainly they're not going to know your name, remember you, look you in the eyes, and have a loving relationship with you. You just don't expect that, right? I've got to tell you a story um, about my brother. My brother, his name, I have two brothers and a sister all younger than me. The brother that's next youngest um, his name is Mike, Uh, and when Mike was in high school, he had a girlfriend at the time, and they went on a band trip to California, and so they were doing a number of things in California, and they went to Universal Studios, and a lot of times at places like that, you might even run into a famous person, and that happened to my brother while he was there. He was with his girlfriend and some other people, and uh, they saw, now this was a while back, so like might not even mean much to you now, but they saw Brandy. Brandy was a singer. She even had her own show on the WB called Moesha. Um, and so my brother sees Brandy and he recognizes her. And like everybody does with famous people, well, I better go talk to her. I mean, I see a famous person. I certainly must go talk to the famous person. And so my brother with his girlfriend goes over and Goes up to Brandy, and my brother can be kind of dramatic, and so he was, I think, probably faking it, but he, you know, got all excited, like, are you Brandy? Which I'm sure she's heard so many times in her life. But then the next thing she hears from my brother is something she probably hadn't heard many times in her life. um, She says, yes. My brother, being kind of a goofball, (laughs) takes out his camera, and I'm sure she assumes, well, he's going to get a picture with me like everybody else. Mike goes, can you take a picture of me and my girlfriend? and gives him the camera, steps back, gets a picture taken, and says thank you and walks away. So he's got a picture of he and his high school girlfriend taken by Brandy, um, but no, no, no other proof that, that he actually met her. Kind of cool. Um, but Mike didn't expect that he was going to get to know Brandy and they were going to have some sort of relationship with each other. We just don't expect it with famous people. But look at verses 29 through 31. Jesus' fame is spread everywhere throughout the whole surrounding region. And now look at verse 29. And immediately he left the synagogue and entered the house of Simon and Andrew with James and John. Now, Simon's mother-in-law lay ill with a fever. And immediately they told him about her. So here's the setting. Peter has a home, and Jesus goes into that home. Peter must be married because he has a mother-in-law. okay? And so Peter's mother-in-law is laying there ill, and they tell Jesus about her. I can just see, remember, we talked about at the beginning that the book of Mark, Mark wasn't one of the 12 disciples. He was getting eyewitness testimony from Peter. So I can just imagine Peter, can you, as he was telling Mark this part of the story, talking about all of the fame that Jesus had that was now spreading in all the crowds that he was healing. And then Peter's eyes just light up as he remembers. And then he came to my house. My mother-in-law, she was sick. And, And some of you, you have... You have parents-in-law and parents who are aging and they're sick and it's so hard to watch. And and you look and Peter just remembers and I told Jesus about my mother-in-law. Then look what happens in verse 31. And he came and he took her by the hand and he lifted her up The fever left her, and she began to serve them. I love that picture, and I'm sure that's just burned forever, was burned forever in Peter's mind. Just remembers, my mom, my mother-in-law, she was sick. I didn't know what to do. I told Jesus, and Jesus came, and he took her by the hand. Did Jesus need to take her by the hand to heal her? He could have just spoken words, right? But he comes and has that personal touch. He takes her by the hand, probably looks in her eyes and probably understands the pain and suffering that she's going through way better than anybody else could. Takes her by the hand, and he helps her up. And the fever leaves her. And she begins serving them. Love that about Jesus. That we have... This Jesus who does make some very costly commands, like follow me, leave everything, and follow me. And that, that can feel really weighty. I read something this week that was really encouraging to me on that after, after I just mentioned, you know, was challenging all of us last week with Jesus' called to follow, leave everything and follow me, that, that when Jesus was making that command, he had already done that himself. As he commands James and John to get out of the boat and leave their father Zebedee there, Jesus had already gotten out of his father's presence and left his throne to come to us. Jesus was commanding them to do what he had already done. And he was doing everything with them. We notice right at the beginning of this, it says, and they went into Capernaum. It's not that Jesus said, follow me, and then he just left them behind. That's not it at all. Jesus said, follow me, and they came with him. He was with them. Turn back in your Bible one page. To the end of Matthew. At the end of Matthew, remember, see so many themes that we've already talked about in Mark. At the end of Matthew, in verse 18, chapter 28, it says, And Jesus came to them and said, All authority, here's Jesus' authority is, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me, Jesus says. So here's your command Go therefore and make disciples. This is, what, this is what you do when you follow Jesus. You make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And listen, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Jesus is, engaged with all of the authority that he has, that is being recognized by all these people, with all of the fame that he has, he is engaged in personal relationships with these people. He is with them. His promise to us is that He is with us. So we need to both recognize Jesus' authority over all things, and we need to think of that often, and we also need to be reminded often that Jesus desires a personal, loving relationship with each of us. He is not an impersonal, high powered deity, He is. The God who has all authority over all things, who also wants to take you by the hand and help you up and look you in the eyes and your name. And He wants to do that with your family too. Some of you have people in your family who are sick and they desperately need healing. We need to be praying about that. And you need to be figuring out ways that you can take Jesus to them so that He can heal and encourage in ways that you can't. I'm grateful that our great and awesome God, Jesus Christ, has authority over all things and is fully capable still of walking straight up to us, knowing our name, holding us by the hand, and initiating a personal relationship with us. It says then that in in verse 31, the end of it just says, that the fever left her and she began to serve them. That's the proper response of all who have Had that, who have that relationship with Jesus. That he comes and he does a healing work in your life, and you respond by serving his people. That's how we respond.